Well, Renovation Church uh, and those here uh, to worship God with us uh, today is indeed, I think, uh, I think fair to say that it is a special moment for us uh, as a congregation. Uh, over the last seven months, I think back to uh, August 18th, where uh, we were down at Missio Church on West Genesee Street with uh, the elders there, and Jordan Stinziano and Bernie Elliott are here as well. We were there at the front, uh, and all that whole congregation uh, rejoiced with us, and yet also uh, were sad in some ways to be uh, really sending a congregation of people uh, into the northern suburbs of Onondaga County to present the gospel to every man, woman, and child within those communities. I don't know if you remember that day, but it seems uh, just like yesterday to me. And so here we are seven months later, uh, walking in uh, to fulfill some of the plans and intentions uh, from that day. Really what we've set out over the last two or three years together as we've grown as a congregation here. That is, we talked about over the next uh, six months or so into the next year, that we would uh, formally be receiving and welcoming in uh, members of Renovation Church, this new congregation, and at the very same time, uh, installing uh, alongside of me a team of elders to run with this mission and shepherd the people that have embraced it. And so here we are. Uh, it's been a long, long, crazy month. A lot of uh, me driving you guys bonkers about members, uh, membership interviews and uh, all of that, but I think uh, really w worthwhile effort over the last 30 days. And so again, I, I just want to say that if you're here visiting with us uh, tonight, we're so grateful that you're here uh, to treasure this moment with us, where we value membership and we, we value church leadership in the form of eldership. So please feel free to just enjoy this and worship God. And at the same time, for those of you here for the first time, we pray that Christ will reveal himself to you as uh, we, we uh, interact with the scriptures and that your heart is warmed through that. So uh, really, what are we talking about here tonight? Members, right? What are members ultimately? And what does the scriptures say, at least as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, about membership and how members are to relate to their leadership? Okay, that's an important question for us tonight. And secondly, uh, what are elders? What do they do? And how are elders to relate to uh, the people uh, that they lead? And so we're going to be talking about that tonight from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you could get your Bibles and open up, that would be great. Uh, and follow along with me, I would appreciate that. Elders, members, and really all of us, what are we all called to in terms of relationship in the body of Christ? What is our posture towards one another, regardless of role or function. Listen to these words from Peter. He says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, 
you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen? This is God's Word. I think it was a couple weeks ago that I got a call at about 5.15 from my wife in the midst of a snowstorm saying, uh, Mike, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm driving in this snowstorm and I have lost my windshield wipers. And of course, being the great husband and faithful pastor that I am, I said, there's nothing that I can do about it at this time. You have two options. You can pull over and stop driving and wait, or you can just keep on going. What a great husband, huh? Anyway, the reality is, in the midst of the storm, it's dangerous to not have clarity. That is, for the wiper to not work, for it to not swish away effectively all that snow and slush and muck that's on the windshield, that put my wife and my family in great danger. Right Now we think about what we're talking about tonight and put that in the context of the, the, the world in which we live, the religious context in which we live, the, the faith context in which we live, we, we begin to realize that it's treacherous out there. It's treacherous. right? Maybe not as dramatically treacherous like some other parts of the world, but we begin to realize that with 3% evangelicalism, hostility rising about our understanding of the gospel, that we truly minister as a church in the midst of a northeastern context that is increasingly treacherous, isn't it? And so as we move forward as a congregation, when we talk about eldership, when we talk about leadership, when we talk about membership, I think it's important for us to make sure that the wipers are working. That is, so that there is clarity about what we are called to do as leaders and clarity about what we are called to do as members, especially given the context that we're in. And that's very similar to the context in which Peter is writing. A lot of discussion about suffering as a Christian in Peter, right? It's a, it's a mess. It's difficult. There's suffering. And yet here we have the Word of God that functions as our wiper to bring clarity to us as we navigate through the treacherous conditions safely. The call as for an elder is clear. And men, as you come to this call tonight, please approach this call with clarity in mind. This is the call of the elder. Look at what he says. So I exhort the elders. He's talking to the elders among the people as a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Here's the clear call. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That's it. Shepherd the flock of of God that is among you. And even in your mind, you're saying, well, that's not all that clear because we don't really live in a, this kind of context, right? Shepherding a flock. What is going on here? Well, to help us out a little bit, the, the word for shepherd, 
The command here is where we get the word for pastor. It's where we get the word for pastor. And you're saying, well, that's not really helping either. Um, but basically, we see that the pastor, the shepherd, is, the, is throughout all the scriptures a very dominant uh, form or image and metaphor for leadership. What do shepherds do? That would be an important question, men, as you're coming forward to be appointed and installed as an elder. What am I to do? Well, looking at the, the, the call of the, the shepherd in the context of the sheep, the shepherd, according to Tim Laniac, who kind of is the, the, the scholar who's really studied uh, the shepherding in the, in the ancient world, is that this, the, the shepherd is called to four main tasks. Number one, to know the sheep. Number two, to feed the sheep. Number three, to lead the sheep. And finally, to protect the sheep. That was the function, that was the role that the shepherd played in the context of the flock. Right? And so by implication, as we understand the, that leadership is indeed a shepherding of people, we'll see that it's the responsibility of the shepherd to know the people got to know who your people are. Secondly, if you're coming forward as an elder, you've got to be feeding the people. That is, you are feeding them the scriptures, right? That is the food. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the call of the elder is to feed the people of God with the scriptures. The call of the elder is also to lead the people of God in the ministry of the word, toward conformity to Christ. What is the end game? What does God want? God wants all of his people, all of his sheep, to be conformed to the image of Christ and in doing so to fulfill the mission that he has called them to in this world. That's what the elder is called to do. Shepherd, lead God's people. And finally, to protect the people. That's what the call of the elder is. To know, to feed, to lead and protect the people from all that is evil, protect the people from heresy, from false doctrine, from their own self-deceptive ways. This is the call of the elder. And so when we hear the word shepherd the flock of God, these are truly things that we are called as elders to do. This is leadership. Verse 4, or, uh, uh, the next point I want to make here is this. The command also, also explicitly points out that there is another owner of the sheep. Elders-to-be recognize this, that you are not the owner of the sheep. Right? What does it say? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. These are the people of God. This is God's flock. These are God's people. And so in that moment we begin to realize that the shepherd is also in some way shape or form just another sheep right a shepherd a leader an elder is also a follower a steward a steward of the responsibility and the people that god as the owner has entrusted into the care of the elder and the leader Tim Laniac says this, a good shepherd is one who sees what the owner sees and does what the owner does. He is a follower before he is a leader. He is a leader 
because he is a follower. The shepherds whom God judges in the Bible are those who forget that the people in their care are not their own. Do not forget that, men. And may any of us who are called and appointed to eldership never forget that these are not our people. These are the people of the living God. Elders are truly that, under-shepherds, who serve the desires of the owner who is the Lord Himself. He goes on to say, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, giving us greater explanation, uh, exercising oversight. Right? That's, that's what's happening. You're overseeing the people that belong to the Lord. You're overseeing their lives. You're ensuring that they're fed. You're ensuring that they're protected. You're ensuring that they are following uh, down the path of righteousness in, in submission to their Lord. That's what you're doing. You're overseeing the lives of people. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I begin to feel an incredible sense of weight and responsibility as we approach such a role and call in the body of Christ to exercise oversight over the Lord's people. To have that kind of responsibility is no small role to be taken lightly, but to be taken with incredible hesitancy and yet commitment to the task. He goes on to say, not only what the elder is called to do, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, but he begins to unpackage for us how they are to do that, right? In what way does an elder approach that role and function in the body of Christ? In what way can we see an elder shepherd God's flock faithfully for the Lord Himself? Well, the text, I believe, goes on to say this. He says, uh, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Right? The faithful shepherd of God's flock exercises oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Men, no one is forcing you in any way, shape, or form to accept this responsibility tonight. No one is motivating you by guilt or by necessity to step into this role and be an elder, a shepherd of this flock at Renovation Church. This is something that you have desired. This is something that you have pursued. This is a calling that you have felt. And in no way, shape, or form should we approach this role under compulsion. But we come to it with a willing spirit, just as the Lord would have us. This is the way that's according to God, willingly submitting ourselves to that role. There's a voluntary aspect to this, right? If anyone desires to be an overseer, right? That one of the qualifications is aspiration, desire. Willingly, voluntarily is an important way in which we need to approach this task in a faithful manner. The second thing he says here, he says, uh, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Right? The, the faithful shepherd of God's flock will exercise oversight not for shameful gain. 
but eagerly. Karen Jobs in her uh, commentary on 1 Peter says this, that that word for eagerly, it's a term often used in secular writings to characterize the benefactor of a city who enthusiastically provides time and money for civic duties, for the betterment of the people. Right There's this idea that, that the elder comes to his role and says, you know what, I'm here not for, for any other reason than to give of my time, my emotion, my energy, my leadership, my resources, except to be a benefactor for this city, for these people. So we don't come at it with the motive to receive anything. But truly, like Christ, giving ourselves to the task, to the Lord of the task, and to the people in whom God has placed us as overseers. We come to it eagerly. There's no room in any way, shape, or form for a greedy motive. For a greedy spirit, whether that would be now, we have to recognize that in many ways, you know, we all have our idols that we struggle with. We're fighting every single day improper motives, sinful desire, greed, covetousness, whatever that would be. And and, and let's not think for one moment that these three men, including myself, do not have to wake up every day and continue to make a decision about what God we serve. We will continue to have to make a decision about the Lord and God that we will serve. Will it be the idol that gives us that temporal fleeting pleasure? That gives us kind of what we're looking for in this life? Or will it be the true gospel-centered, Christ-exalting motive of just simply giving all that we are and, uh, to all that He is and the people that He's entrusted to us? There's no room for greed in this role. The heart of the elder is to give eagerly. I can't wait to do it. Sign me up. What needs to be done? Who needs attention? What sheep needs care? I'm in. Put me down. I can't wait to be there. That's the way in which the faithful elder approaches his duty. And lastly, we see that the faithful shepherd of God's flock will will exercise oversight, not domineering over the people but by setting an example for the people. right? There is, a, there is an authority that is bestowed upon the elder and the leader of the church that comes from God. It's a real authority, yes, a derivative authority. It's not self-given, it's not self-made. It's a derivative authority that comes because the owner of the flock desires to place his people right under the care of, of those who steward their derivative authority, the authority that comes from God. And so we do not approach this task as those who are going to dominate people or domineer over people for our own agenda. We do not come with, a, with, our, with, pri- with pride about a new title, a new opportunity to get our own way, to do our own thing, to pursue our own agenda in this world using people and manipulating them as a game, maybe, uh, as a pawn in our own game in this life, that is not the call of the elder. The call of the elder is to lead by setting an example. Right? It's an exemplary life. It's a life that, as they mimic 
and imitate Jesus is a life that other people can say, yeah, 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 I want to imitate that person, that man, insofar as that man imitates Jesus. The leadership comes through example and modeling, insofar as it represents the chief shepherd, the Lord of all, Jesus himself. So as we approach this call, this role and responsibility as elders, shepherds of the flock of God, we do so voluntarily, willingly. We do so uh, uh, eagerly, willing to give, not concerned about what we will get in return. And ultimately, we do so in a way that is an example for the flock to follow. And I truly believe that the way in which we elder men, and everybody else can listen because we all know that, that this role places the eyes of people upon the lives of the elders. So you, you listen. The, the way in which one elders is truly an expression of the why one elders. You can set motives. You know, six weeks ago, we put these men before you and said, if, if you have any, any um, uh, issue here, any concern, any hesitancy to come forward about these three men, and nobody came forward. And so, in, in talking with many of you, you recognize that these are the men that God has placed in our midst as exemplary, as those who model Christ's likeness and that will lead us well. This is important. You recognize that, that, that how they have engaged life and doctrine and family in your midst has really revealed to you why. Their motives, their heart behind serving in this capacity. The way one elders is an expression of why one elders. And so men, my encouragement to you is always be in prayer for your motives. Always be in check about your motives. And if, and if you're not in check, the people will see it. They'll see it in the way you elder, in the way you shepherd. I know you see it in me. You'll see it. If, you'll see something's not, something's not right. It's got to be a motive. It's got to be a heart issue. So men, be in prayer at all times about your motives, why you're doing this. And if you can see yourself consistently struggling with the pure Christ-like motives, Please step aside. Please step aside and work on your heart and let God do that. Change you and reshape you. The last thing we see is this. Verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. End game. Right? We see what shepherds do we see what they do they shepherd the flock of god we see how they do it and now we see the hope the hope of eldering the hope of shepherding christ's people and the recognition who the real shepherd is right and that we're all sheep and we're all in submission to the chief shepherd who will return for his people right when the chief shepherd appears he's coming do you see that when the chief shepherd appears, not if he appears, not if he just so happens to show up at some point, when he appears, he's coming. Jesus will return. It is imminent. We don't know when. 
But we know it's real. And he shall return for his people. And so we elder in recognition that Jesus will return for his people. And even that alone should give us great humility and gravity as we approach this role for the chief shepherd. That he is returning. And yet at the same time, we see reward. That if we embrace this call in a way that is faithful unto Him, we don't just wait for His return, but men, we wait for His reward. You will receive the unfading crown of glory. Friends, that's our ultimate destination. Elder or not. Elder, member, anyone who believes and belongs to Jesus you know, thinking again of that prayer in John 17 that I had opportunity to speak about this morning at Trinity Baptist in Missio last week, right? I pray, I desire, Father, that they will be with me to see me where I am, to see my glory. That's our destination. And so in this life, while we await for the return, we serve one another in anticipation of the reward that we receive well done, good and faithful servant. And the glory that we will see on the face of Jesus himself. Who longs for that day? Friends, when we elder, when we lead, may we always have our vision on the return and the reward of Jesus and nothing else. This is call of eldership. Elders are called to shepherd the flock, the people of God. Nothing more, nothing less. What about members? Goes on, verse 5, likewise, I'm going to exhort you. In the same manner, I'm going to exhort you. I had an exhortation for the elders, but now I have an exhortation for who? For you who are younger. And the word here is not about age. It's not about age. There would have been a different word if the emphasis was about age. It's about those, it's about standing in the church. That is, those who are not elders. Those who are not qualified or serving as elders at the present time. So you have the elders and then everyone else, that is, members of the local congregation. So in talking with the members, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Just like there is clarity about the call of the elder to shepherd God's flock, there is equal clarity about what members are called to do in relationship to to their Lord, as they relate to their elders. Members are called to submit to God's shepherds. Elders are called to shepherd God's people, and members are called to submit to God's shepherds. So the posture of submission for the people of God to the shepherd. Uh, the posture uh, is one of submission. Now, it's, you may say, well, this was written a long time ago, friend. We, hey, just like Ephesians 5.22, you know, wives, submit to your own husbands in the Lord. 
man, that's a little out of date. That's, that's a little archaic. That's a little old school for our day and age, 2014. Doesn't the author know, doesn't the preacher know that we've moved on from those days of submitting and being in subject to anyone other than our own selves? We are well aware of the times in which we live. A day in which people are uh, really not interested in any authority, derivative, or what? Not interested at all in being led by anyone. Not interested in following, at least they think. And so I recognize the hesitancy, especially in the, in the church world where leaders have failed miserably in their role as elders. And I've got no excuse for you as I stand here as a fellow elder. I don't have any excuse for the failures, the sins, the lack of stewarding of the authority of other pastors and elders in our day and age. I've got no excuses. All I've got is an I'm sorry. We failed you. But nonetheless, even in the midst of failure and sin, that does not take away the eternal, revealed call of God in the Scriptures for us as the people of God in relationship to our leaders. Let us not allow the sin of man to change the revealed will of God in the Scriptures. Can we do that? Submission is a Christian characteristic. Right? 5.22 in Ephesians, wives submit to your husbands. That's a true thing. It's what needs to be done. As husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church. But Ephesians 5.21 talks about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission is Christian. And so it's not uh, in any way, shape, or form... To get you to do something that you don't want to do. To use a command to get you to just walk in single file for the sake of somebody else's agenda. This is a Christian character trait. This is Christ, is it not? The one who submitted to the will of his Father, even unto death, even death on a cross. Is submission not a revelation, a true characteristic of the person of Jesus when he lived in this world ultimately to die for us. We're calling you to Christianity. Submission. It goes against every grain in culture. Don't submit to anyone or anything. There's no authority out there to be served and submitted to. The authority exists inside of you. Do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, and don't let anybody ever tell you what to do. Friends, our refusal to submit to one another and our leaders is confusing. It's, it's like the wipers falling off the car. We can't see. We can't make sense of mission and ministry together if we're not postured toward one another with mutual submission. This is the call of the people of God. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And friends, we're not asking you to submit to elders even walking down the path of sin. We're asking you to submit to the elders insofar as they lead you in submission to Jesus. 
as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Right? Elders are called to shepherd God's people. Members are called to submit to God's shepherds. This is how the Lord has designed the church. So as members, as you're approaching membership here at Renovation Church, I want you to do so with a posture of submission to the Lord and His appointed elders as they submit to Jesus. Lastly, Peter goes on to say, clothe yourselves, all of you. We're talking to everybody now. Not just elders, not just members. We're talking to everybody. All of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, I have my uh, illustrations that I always go to. One of them is the Steelers. Uh, one of them is Maisie's Meats. I'm not going there today. We have a new one that uh, is going to be... Uh, but you should go there, Maisie's Meats. Not on Tuesdays because Dad's not there. Anyway, um, you get the idea that I'm about to start a new wave of constant illustrations. This one uh, is a repeat from Mr. Callie last week, CrossFit. Well, here we go. So when you go to CrossFit... Uh, it's the workout that I do, at least I want to think that I do. Usually I just kind of hang out there and talk to people. Uh, but uh, CrossFit workouts demand sh certain shoes. I remember the first time I went there, I had like the Asics running shoes, thinking these will work out just fine, like, you know, those, those really thick soles so you don't get shin splints. You know, those ones, they're almost like those things that people wear at the mall to lose weights. They're so thick at the bottom. Right? That was me. So I showed up to CrossFit with one of those. And of course, you know, CrossFit's a lot of lifting and all that. So my heels are like this, but you got to keep your heels flat. In order to hold the weight, there's no way that you're going to be able to do the exercise. You got to have a flatter heel. So when it comes to CrossFit workouts, you got to have specific CrossFit shoes. And of course, I had to sell that to my wife and buy some, you know, because, you know, I might get hurt. Uh, so I better have the right shoes. Friends, Christianity, right, you, you, can't, you can't have pride in the body of Christ. It's not going to work. Pride in relationships in the body of Christ are not going to be able to handle the weight of mission and ministry together. It's just not going to work. We're going to falter. We're going to struggle. Pride just will not work. It does not fit our ministry. It does not represent our Lord who humbly emptied himself right? Becoming obedient to the point of death, even, even death on a cross. And so pride is not going to work. Humility, a proper understanding of who God is as revealed in Scripture, a proper understanding of who we are as revealed in Scripture, a proper understanding of who each other is as revealed in Scripture. We have to know who we really are in order for mission and ministry to really be God-glorifying, right? Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. It's a clothing. It's a putting on, right? We, we like that. We like image and identity that's attached to clothing in 2014, right? Whenever I go to Marshall's, I got to look for David Baton, 
You can make fun of you all you want, but it's just, it is what it is. That's my brand, right? We use that. We have identity attached to clothing, sadly enough. But we see here that the clothing that we're to wear, it doesn't really matter what, well, it kind of does matter what kind of jeans you wear. Let's be clear. It, it, what, what we're talking about here is the clothing of ourselves with humility. That's what we wear. That's our relational fashion statement, right? And that goes so well hand in hand with submission. Right? I'm no better than you. You're no worse than me. Because of we recognize who God is and that everyone else is on an equal playing field and that we all need His grace. And I think that's at the end of the day what I see here, right? Pride, if we, if we relate to one another pridefully as elders or members, whatever that looks like, whoever we are, whatever role that we have, whatever function we serve in the body of Christ, if we come to the table with pride, guess what we incur? Look what it says. God opposes the proud. We incur the active opposition of Almighty God. Well, why are we here? We're going to glorify God by presenting every right, by equipping all of Christ's people to a faithful life of worship. By, man, we're going to go do it. We go with pride as our relational fashion toward one another. Guess what? The active opposition of God. God opposes the proud. Raise your hand if you want to go against God. Didn't think so. But what do we need? We need grace for the task, whether we're the elder or the member, no matter who we are, in order to be faithful, in order to fulfill what God has called us to do. Man, oh man, I hope we all can humbly recognize that we need the grace of God to be working powerfully and personally in our lives. We need God's grace. That's what we need. And the good news is, is if we recognize that we need grace, guess what? We get it. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to uh, the, the humble. At the end of the day, this is what we all need. This is what we're all called to. We all need grace, and in order to receive it, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and be honest biblically about who God is, who we are, and who other people are in relationship to us and walk in humility. And the promise is this. We'll receive God's grace. And really, if you think about it, don't we receive our role, function, giftedness as a dispensing of God's grace anyway? So how do we approach eldering or, or, or being a member in a local congregation? How do we approach other people thinking about our giftedness? And, and how do we approach it with pride when all of it is as a result of the dispensing of the grace of God? So if, if grace is what's given us what we're called to do and how we do it, why would we then enter into pride and lose out on what we need to sustain our function in the body of Christ? It just makes sense. Grace has made us who we are, and grace is what we continue to need. And so at the end of the day, we can all look at one another and our Lord and say, humility is really the only way that we should ever consider in terms of our relational fashion toward one another. Right? Elders are called to shepherd God's people. Members are called to submit to God's shepherds. All, both elders and members, are called to humility. So elders, know who you are, know whom you serve, know why, know why you serve, and then do it.
Do it with God's grace being the thing that sustains you. Members, know who you are. Know whom you serve. Know know, uh, why you serve. And then do it with the grace of God sustaining you. Elders are called to shepherd God's people. Members are called to submit to God's shepherds. And all are called to humility. This is what we celebrate here tonight together. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank You for these Scriptures, these sacred writings, this truth. that shapes all that we're about to do, all that we have done, and all that we will continue to do as Renovation Church, whether an elder or a member. I currently pray that You would be glorified in us. I pray that You would give these men uh, a recognition of what they're called to do. That they would feel the weight of it and, and, and minister faithfully as your under-shepherds. And give all of us an ability to submit and to walk in humility and relationship to one another. May every man, woman, and child that interacts with Renovation Church see a humble, submitted people so that they see the glory of Jesus in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.